Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Soul Serum Podcast. I am your riding around in the Yukon XL with my cousin's host, Clay Bonin. I am usually joined by my she just want to come and kick it but it's hard for me to chill co-host tanner mavis however tanner's out of town right now with his girlfriend in new orleans on vacation oh i hope you guys are having a good time but i also hope you're listening to the podcast um, but we are back on the soul serum podcast with another interview episode today and before we introduce our guest i want to remind everybody follow us on instagram main page and the podcast page Subscribe to us on YouTube, main page, TV page. Follow us on TikTok as well. Uh, the, the, the kids are talking about my, my takes on the SoundCloud rapper tournament. So I actually have recently, like, been, I don't, maybe I shouldn't do this, but like I've been reading the comments on what people are saying about me on TikTok. And dude, some, some people are like mean as hell in the comments. They're like, I like this podcast, but that dude in the blue needs to get the fuck out of the studio. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, whatever. That's all besides the point. Also, join the Discord. And that's enough on that because I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. Um, today on the show, we have one of the first local artists that I discovered after I moved up to the Cincinnati area. Um, he makes music, great music for you to chill and spark one up to. And he's the first Spanish-speaking artist or person in general that we've had on the podcast. Uh, today in the studio joining us, we have Isai Morales. Thank you, my friend, for coming out. Can we get a clap from the studio audience over here? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate welcome, you having me, Welcome man. to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I, I wanted to write a, like a whole Spanish intro, and then I was like, ah, maybe maybe I might be reaching if I do that. Nah, like we always <laughs> appreciate the effort. You know? I do. I mean, I can say like, Bienvenido, uh, I guess, is it Al Solcieron Podcast? That's perfect that right there. Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I know how to speak enough Spanish just from like working at restaurants. So like I know how to ask for like a side of black beans. I also know a bunch of words for like male genitalia. That's like what <laughs> I've learned <laughs> like working with like the restaurant staff, like the kitchen workers. Um, but before we get into music, before we get into anything here... Um, how many people mispronounce your name like, um, when they first see it if you don't tell them that? Surprisingly, you were the first to not do it in like a very long time. Let's it, go. Almost every single time, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely like unless you speak Spanish or like know, I guess, like Spanish pronunciations, like Isai is definitely not what you would see. Like, I feel like that's a lot of like sound for just like four letters almost you know like nobody is gonna expect that it's like four syllables for four four <laughs> letter yeah that's, that's a little ridiculous you say like every letter in your in your name um well let's let's just start at the beginning here i know you've been making music for a long time now at this point but can you give us like the origin story where and and how did the music start for you um i was in my bedroom in high school um, is where it started, probably around 14, 15, mm -hmm. I would say. And then it kind of just, I started doing shows at 18 when I was like able to start performing in clubs and stuff where right. with, with, with a fake, um, actually I shouldn't with say, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say I, I was in there with a fake ID, but we, we Allegedly. Were, Allegedly. Allegedly, you may have been in there with a fake ID. Technically, I was 26, but I was performing. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Wait, know, when you when you were eighteen, you had a fake ID that said you were twenty six. Yeah, I did. Did it, people question it? Was anybody ever? No, it was my cousin, and we look almost exactly the mm. same, so mm. it, it worked perfectly. Okay, okay, I see. How long ago? So that, that was when you were eighteen. How 18, old are you now? I'm ten. That's ten years ago. I'm twenty eight wow. now, so I'm I'm a little bit older than most of the people that you probably have on on here. Pretty. We've actually had like a lot of over 25-year-old people on this show. I think Corbett was probably the oldest person we had on this show. I think he's, like, about to turn 40. Um, but that's besides the point. Yeah. So, 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 <laughs> so you're... so No, no, you're good. You're good. You're, you're performing in the clubs. Um, like, are you in Dayton at this uh, point? Yeah, Dayton. Okay. I was going to school in Dayton, so I was, like, performing everywhere that I could in mm-hmm. Dayton and then also bouncing around Cincinnati and Dayton, like, from 18 to... Up until now, like, most of those relationships that I have with, like, venues and stuff were built around the 18 to 23 age. Nice. And then um, from there, like, basically the music evolved. I started finding my sound around, actually, not until probably 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started, like, dabbling in production and, you know, doing started producing everything myself yeah. and, like... Actually feeling comfortable. I always produced everything, kind mm-hmm. of, like, dabbled in it, but actually really started to get into it around 2016, 17. Nice, nice. And I noticed, like, you've taken down some of your, like, older projects. Is that, like, is there a specific reason behind it? Do you just think that your stuff now is, like, of higher quality? Or what? what's kind of the motive behind that? Well, at first, it was kind of, like... I wasn't really, I don't know why, I I just didn't like what I had up, and then I'm like, man, but as of, let me, let me retrace my steps, because like, there was a little incident with some copyright claims, like Mm. with samples in a Mm -hmm. song that I couldn't clear, Yeah. and then it kind of pulled everything down, and then I gradually started bringing stuff back up, and then I'm like, actually, this doesn't really sound as good as i this is kind of trash to be honest let me let me keep this down and then um but as of recently like start i started talking to people and they were like you know it's important to show growth in your work definitely and i've been gradually bringing back some of the older stuff that i'm like okay maybe it would be good for people to hear this because they can like compare the newer stuff to the older stuff and kind of get an idea of you know the growth basically definitely definitely and that's something that people like if they've been listening to you for four or five years or whatever like they've already built the memory with like that older stuff so it's cool to like have them to be able to go back listen to that and then listen to the newer stuff um I do want to talk a little bit before we get deep into the music. Uh, we've had a couple of guests on the show who have had um, non-American parents, immigrant, foreign parents, however you'd like to put it. Um, and I'm always really interested in hearing how being raised by um, immigrant parents like affected the process and mentality of whatever artists we're talking to. Um, so... Mexican and Pan- Panamanian, yes. correct? Yes, right? sir. Um, can you talk a little bit on what it was like growing up in uh, a household with that culture and, and like how your parents, you know, view your, your music journey, I'd say? 
Well, as far as, like, uh, I always had a strong relationship with my dad's family, even though he wasn't really in the picture very much. Mm -hmm. um, but with my mom, she she's Panamanian, and, like, growing up, I would be in, uh, you know, folkloric dance groups, you know, doing the <laughs> doing the Panamanian dances and everything. That's which so fire. It was kind of fun, but kind of embarrassing at the same time, because, <laughs> like, looking back on it, there's hella pictures and videos of me somewhere in the... And like and like a full like get up full full outfit and everything. Yeah, Panamanian it, jigs. Most there. definitely, like the Montuno is what it was called. I still have it actually, but it's like super small, like it's children's size. <laughs> right, but, right. But growing up with that, like my mom's also a salsa singer, so like I was oh, okay. always around like music, like salsa music, nice. merengue, like all that, basically everything associated with Hispanic music. Mm -hmm. And then also being, like, Mexican, too. Like, my mom would, you know, try to keep me up to date, up to par with the, the Mexican side as well. So yeah. I was listening to, like, Selena and Los Bukis and, like, yes. stuff like that as well. So it was kind of... out Selena, man. I saw I saw the Selena movie, like, where J-Lo plays her at, like, middle school and was just like... It's like, this is different, bro. Like, I love this movie. What is going on here? It's classic. That is a crazy story. As a side note, like, what happened to her and, like, how she died, that is, like, fucking insane. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's how it happened. Um, but, yeah, keep going. So your mom would also keep you kind of, like... In the the Mexican side of your of your culture as well too. Most up. most definitely. So I was like always indulged in it. Like, but it was it wasn't like I was thinking like, oh, this is my culture. I was just like, okay, I gotta do this at the time. But now looking back, I'm like, okay, that was actually really cool that she was trying to keep me yeah. in tune with everything, even though I'm growing up here. As a as a kid, like you don't obviously you don't realize like the significance and importance of that. You're just like, why the fuck do I have to go dance on Saturday morning? <laughs> like you know, you're just like, what the fuck is this, man? Exactly. Uh, that's cool though. So your mom being a salsa singer, like, has she always been like supportive of you like choosing to to pursue music? Oh yeah, most definitely. Like as much as she could help, she's definitely been on board for. It. Like she doesn't always necessarily agree with like some of the early stuff that I was talking about in my mm -hmm. music you know mm -hmm. when I was rapping about bitches and cars in high school that I didn't have you know, but of course who's what mom is gonna support that but, yeah yeah exactly exactly but now that I'm like starting to speak on subjects that are like about my childhood and like are more you know more in, a little sentimental yeah most personal. definitely yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she can stand behind it now like she That's has a vinyl of the album and everything so it's kind of i cool. think that's i want to get into that later but i think that's so fire that you made a vinyl for your last album <laughs> um just talking a little bit more on this uh I, I talked to you a little bit before the podcast but i one thing i really love about your music and your overall like imagery a, as an artist um is that you don't shy away from your heritage um, I mean, you're in a luchador mask right now. Like, look, you have the loco. I saw the back of the hoodies, like a Modelo graphic. Um, I mean, you're shooting videos in like Mexican grocery stores and Mexican restaurants. Like, we're not. I want to let the record show. We're not talking about like Rio Grande. We're talking about like the taco spot that has like the soda machine from the '90s. Like, you're really oh, yeah. shooting in these these authentic places. Um, so, will you just talk to me a little bit, like, about why it's so important for you to highlight your culture like that in your music um basically i feel like the the narr well there's not really many artists like me especially in the midwest mm -hmm. that are like with latin roots so i i kind of want to make it a point to like 
document the experience of what it's like to basically come up in Ohio as a you know a Latino kind of deal. Yeah. But also like all those places that you see in the video are all places I went to as like a kid and like I have relationships with the business owners and stuff. That's and so cool. So I try to like all, while staying true to my culture, but also staying true to like in Ohio at the same time because like mm -hmm. all the Mexicans that see those videos are going to recognize those places <laughs> in Dayton, Ohio, which yeah. is like kind of cool. So I always like, I don't what was what was the question again? Well, I was just asking why, like, why it's so important for you to, to highlight your culture because I, I think you touched on it a little bit of what I think is really cool about it is that like, like, like in you know, Los Angeles, San Diego, more Western places. And I'm sure in Texas too, with like these larger Hispanic populations in the cities, like I'm sure there's a lot of Latino artists uh, out there. But in Ohio, like other than you, I mean, maybe I'm just not tapped in, but like I have not seen many other like Latino artists, especially people who are like, outwardly projecting their their heritage too oh yeah most like i also just want to like paint a narrative that's kind of different than the norm that you get from other latino artists in mm -hmm. general because like most latino artists you know they're gonna make like the the music that are is pop and dancey yeah or they're gonna be like the the rappers you know that i mean nothing i don't want to say one rapper in particular that comes to mind as uh -huh. put a bad name for mexicans <laughs> right now who has like uh, Does, rainbow hair and, you know yeah. like that that's not i'm the colorful hair he has a number tattooed on him a lot of times yeah we don't gotta say names we don't gotta but. say the name <laughs> but it, i, I want to paint a narrative that's not that you know what right, i'm saying so. right right no i mean I, I i think it's great like that you that you do this like because one thing um that's really important i would say that's been happening in the last like 10 years not just in music but just in like i guess american culture as well it's just like representation and diversity like we're obviously a long way away from like where it should be but but more people I think are getting more spotlights on their culture. So I just, I just love that you do that. I think it's really important that you are like this proud in your, um, in your, your heritage and putting it in your music like that. You know, um, I do want you though to, I did a little bit of research, but will you explain the title of your latest project for our non-Spanish speakers in the audience? Oh, here? it's titled um, El Locote, which is basically just like El Loco. And mm -hmm. if, for people that have followed me, like from the beginning, they know like my old name because I had a other name before I went and started going by my real name. Yeah. And like Loco has, I mean, it's, it's on your chest. It's right on my now. chest. Like yeah. I, I changed it from a C to a K just to like make it stand out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, it's just something that's it, it literally translates to crazy, like yeah. the crazy one kind uh -huh. of deal. And um, the title is basically just to, because like compared to most Mexicans that are, or Mex I'll say Mexicans just because I'm, you are, I'm, I'm mainly Mexican, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I have the Panamanian in there too, but um, but most Mexicans they they stick to a you know very like the lifestyle. You you go to work, you pay your bills, you take care of your family, mm -hmm. and like somebody trying to pursue something that's a little bit different, like trying to do music is unheard of especially when it comes to like personally my family and stuff so it's kind of right. like I'm the crazy one in the in the family so El Loco has always been my you know my 
tagline, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And then El Locote was basically just summarizing that. And since the album was basically focused on like family experiences For and sure. coming up as a Mexican in Ohio, I just wanted to keep it true to that. That's great. That's when you when you uh I don't know if you've ever googled the words El Locote, but like those there's one definition that keeps coming up and it's like a, a crazed deranged gangbanger. And I was like, <laughs> I actually don't think that's that's probably not what he was going for. Not, not at all. Not album. at all. <laughs> um talking talking a little bit more about the music though, um I have a question regarding a lyric in Pancho. Uh, did your grandmother really take a bullet to the leg? Yeah, she did. Dead ass? Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay, will you say the lyric and then will you tell me the story for anybody who may not know? I'll I'll tell the story, but now I'm, I'm just got to retrace the lyrics. Yeah, you got to like, think about the song. Yeah, because like, like where, where do I say? I say that like closer to the end when I'm actually talking about this story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could act. I mean, oh, I could play man. the song if you want me to. Man, I, I, I might have to. Cause <laughs> I know this is. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Because like I know the song by heart. I just I have to like. You got to hear the, the melody thing though. Yeah. And, Let's see. Because retracing the steps is is the key. Yeah. 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 I remember when they tried to take his life. I'm elite that paid the price. Got a shell in the leg to this day from the night. Bring it down. What happened? Why did your grandma take a bullet to the, to um, the leg? My, that song is basically about my uncle and like I have, well, the whole story of his whole being here and everything. Like he was involved in some stuff he shouldn't have been involved mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. obviously. And then um, people came in, into the house for, I don't know, what re- I was a little kid, so I don't really know what any of, like he was great at hiding it for the most part, but uh-huh, like uh-huh. I was a little kid, I didn't really understand at the time. Right, right. And she ended up taking a bullet and she was cool now, but she's one of the most gangster grandmothers <laughs> like ever. Like she's super chill. About, like if you ask her about it, she'll tell you the story. But yeah, that 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 all actually happened. That song is basically just like the the story of how it all went down and um basically my uncle stopped for a while and like was doing a legit job working mm-hmm. at my other uncle's restaurant like in the kitchen and stuff. Yeah. But then like one day he um basically was driving home from work after getting off working like the legitimate job like this yeah. is years after he was involved in whatever he was involved in. Uh-huh. And then they got him on a busted tail light and <sighs> deported him. And we, Jeez. I don't know what what hap- what he was involved in in Mexico, but we didn't hear or see see wow. him after that yet. Wow, fuck, man. I'm sorry to hear that. They, oh. It's always the fucking busted tail light, bro. It's the All, busted. That's how tail they fucking get you, bro. It, most definitely, man. And just uh, this is this is kind of a the the reason why I brought up that lyric was a it just like stuck out to me and I was like. Is grandma really get shot in the leg? But but that song, I think you said it a little bit. I mean, like it's a really it's a great embodiment kind of of that project where you're talking about your family and and I'm also like for me personally, I kind of get a little bit of like a like a, a a redemption and kind of celebration like of you know your life and your family's life and and the come up um you know being in Dayton Ohio so what what is that like for you to be able to express that through your music you know because that that's got to be pretty special to to be able to to talk about that 
Well, my thought process with that song in particular, it was like just immortalizing my my uncle and his story. So that that was what I was going for with that song. But when I was actually creating it, it kind of just came to me. Mm-hmm. Like I I wasn't thinking that when I was writing it. Like the song, basically, like all my songs, they write themselves. So I'm yeah. like, oh shit, this is a song for my uncle. Like, damn, all right, this is what <laughs> it's gonna be. That song came to me. Like I feel like I was channeling something, you know. Sometimes you know it's fun. I like that you said that. There's a uh, a great um, who, oh god, I'm gonna fucking kill myself. I can't remember what the interview is. There's an interview with this music journalist. Her name is Lisa Robertson. I think Rick Rubin does the interview, but she says there's one common thread in all musical artists across all genres, and sometimes like the songs, they're just like I don't know where it came from. It just it just popped up in my head, like, and I just wrote it. Is that so? That's kind of how that's that song. Exactly worked. how that song happened. You like, just like started writing, and then you were like, "Wait a fucking second. Like, and it came so. out so quick too. Like, it's probably one of the quickest songs I've written, and I I have pretty fast. I like I write fast, but like not as fast. Like, no edits, no anything. Like, I go back wow. and rearrange the lyric. Like, no, this is this was like this is it. I'm gonna wow. record it now. Let's do it, and it just popped out like that. That's amazing, man. That's powerful. I I I did I didn't know that there there was that much significance behind that song. That's crazy though. Um talking a little bit more about the album or really albums in general. I I think so when I first discovered your music, what really stuck out to me about your projects was that you have this great ability to create like an atmosphere on there um on tortillas it feels like i'm i'm like in the room with you hitting a blunt and then uh, oh also shout out to former podcast guest brick for the the intro on that good vibrations shout from brick, brick on that um and then el lacote to me like i said just now feels kind of like an ode to to remembering where you came from and celebrate where you're going. Um, but, but still nonetheless, like you have created these great atmospheres when you're like listening to the projects as a whole. Is that something that you are purposefully aware of when you're creating the project or does it just happen as like a natural byproduct? It ha- it's a natural byproduct, like for the most part, but th- I've noticed that I, it does happen. Mm-hmm. And like with like my production projects, like I, I'm, I've been dabbling in producing for other artists as well. Yeah. And I did um, like a little mix on SoundCloud called 808s for the interstate. Mm-hmm. And I... With going into that, I was like, all right, I got to create something that, like, 808s for the interstate. Yeah, this is going to yeah. be something you're going to be bumping in the car. It's for the late night drive exactly. type, type vibe. Yes. Yeah, so I, I do go into, like, I approach other projects like that now that I've realized I do that in other mm-hmm. ones. But when I'm working on my own stuff, it it's never intentional. Like, it just turns out to be the way it yeah. turns out. That's, I mean, that's cool. I think that's something like that helps people kind of like latch on to like not just your music, but artists' music in general. Like when they can create that atmosphere, it almost like gives the song like a texture, you know what I mean? Or gives the project a texture. It makes it feel a little bit more real. Do you, do you feel that sometimes? Most, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 that's what I like to keep everything real for the most. Like mm-hmm. if it's not coming from a real place, like people aren't really going to feel it like you know yeah and it's it's like the more that i've like listened to music and almost like kind of like trained my ear to listen to stuff like you can tell when 
it's authentic and you can tell when somebody's just like saying something to say something. And I think that's something that is like common throughout your music is that it definitely comes from like a, a personal real place. So that's important for you, I guess. Right. Most to, definitely. To that. That's, yeah. that's like the main, main point for real. Yeah. Yeah. You no no more, uh, uh, cars and bad bitches. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. I mean, sometimes if, if, if a beautiful woman, you know, inspires some, right. some jams, you know, those will still happen. But no, no big until I get a you know a Rolls Royce or something. There's I'm not rapping about Rolls Royces. No. I mean that's that's got to be where like everybody starts though, right? Because like that's what everybody likes. I mean like I <laughs> in in my sh my short stint as a, a quarantine producer, all the stuff that I was rapping about was like cars and and bitches and like, drugs <laughs> and shit. Because it's like that's like the cool thing. That's like just like the coolest thing to rap about. But yeah. it's like not me though. Yeah. Like bro, I drive a Honda Accord. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, Shout out like to Honda. Not me. Shout, hey, Honda, I'd do a great ad read for you, bro. Fucking me, John, and Tanner all drive a fucking Honda Accord, bro. Honda, come holler at us. Hell yeah. But I but if another car company wants to pay me a bag, I'll, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll read for that too. Um Another thing that I get a lot from your music and even in your videos is that I think simplicity is a common theme in a lot of this. Um, are you like aware of of that? Are you trying to always not overdo or overthink your art? Yeah, I've, I've done the overthinking thing in the past and it never works out. Like a lot of like everything that I do happens naturally. And like, if I want to keep, I, I like to keep things simple just in general, like doesn't have to be overcomplicated from the production all the way up to like the videos. Like, yeah. why are we going to overthink the video? We don't have to do that. We can capture mm -hmm. it the way it's meant to be captured. We're going to keep it realistic. Yes. You know, like I'm all about keeping things just natural, like real for the most part. And yeah. Do you, uh, this is like, kind of related kind of not related but like for me so i don't really like any like marvel like kind of avenger superhero movie because it, to me it's like not based in realness like it looks amazing but like i'm not i don't believe that ant-man like shrank down you know what i'm saying like do you feel that too do you kind of get that that same vibe with like other music or art too yeah i definitely do um i do kind of like well growing up i liked the marvel movies but now that mm. i think about it I, I like every time i watch that kind of stuff i'm always thinking in my head like how did they make that like yes. it, mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to when i was a kid because like in my head i'm just like all right, they created this, but they'd use a green screen. This is like, I respect it more when it is from a real place. Like if I'm watching yeah. things like I like documentaries or For like sure. movies that are all based on real things. Mm -hmm. Or I like action movies too, but if they're realistic, then the yeah, I think I think there is a way to like do this like grand crazy action movie, but still have it be grounded in realness, but. I, I mean, I'm just glad to hear that you kind of share that same thought process because because it, it like it bleeds over into music too. like the I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but sometimes you'll hear like a project from an artist after they've got signed to like some crazy deal. And maybe it's not the first project, but the second project they release on the label, you hear it and you're like, 
This was fueled by like label money, like the labels are telling them to do this and that. Like, and it it doesn't feel real anymore. It doesn't feel grounded. It's anymore. like not authentic anymore. Yeah, yeah. And authenticity, I think, in this like age of social media, is like more important than ever. Like, it's it's cool to see people who you can tell like are not doing it just for like followers or whatever. Yeah. You know? And you've been doing it like for a long time. You've been making music since before people were like counting followers up for real like <laughs> like so you you were you were true to this game is that is that something that ever like plays in the back of your mind or th- something that you think about like that you've been making music for this long um like, it comes to mind sometimes but i always forget and have to remind myself at the same time because like mm-hmm. these past few years i've it's kind of been like a restart like basically restarting a business yeah cuz like i had a business uh-huh. And it was going like growing on its own with, with my past endeavor, mm-hmm. and then when everything happened with the copyright stuff, like I had to restart again. Yeah, and I gotta always remind myself, like, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, but it's still only year three. Right, and like I get discouraged sometimes, but then I always have to like go back, and I'm like, all right, I've been through this. It took me like five years just to get noticed with the last projects and everything. Uh-huh. Now I'm only on year three. I still got some time to go. I still got work to do. Like this is just the beginning right now. So for it's, sure, I, yeah. Was, was the copyright issue? It sounds to me like maybe a blessing in disguise. Like I'm sure it, it like hurt you. To, it it th- definitely was. I'm sure it hurt you to like have this art that you've made just for like lawyers to be like, no, sorry, no, sorry, <laughs> you can't have that art anymore. Like, but but then you get to kind of experience like a rebirth and a rebrand almost. How, yeah. how has that been? It, it's, it was definitely a blessing in disguise because like before the copyright claims were on beats that I didn't produce. They were like beats that I've got from other producers, right. but there were samples in them and mm-hmm. they weren't cleared or anything. And I didn't know what I was doing because I was like young and not really, you know, I'm just putting this song out because the producer gave it to me. And he said, course, do whatever I want with it. Yeah. Like, right i'm gonna put it out and and also like a couple years ago soundcloud is like so lawless so that you can just like put beats with like the most like egregious samples in it <laughs> that like are just like would never get passed but like you can put it on soundcloud because it's free like that yeah you know? shout out soundcloud for real There's... shout out <laughs> shout out soundcloud um but yeah, yeah, keep talking on that though about as the, that. the rebrand. Yeah, yeah. But like that basically just pushed me to start producing like a hundred percent, or at least have my hand in all of the production that I do. Mm-hmm. So like my collaborations on the production, like we're in the same room making the beat together. Like yeah. I'm making sure I know exactly where every sample's coming from, and For like sure. I know that we're not gonna get, you know have some something happen to the point where we can't release anything and just um basically gives me the chance to like learn a lot more also just because yeah. i've been teaching myself i've been reading a lot of books on the industry and stuff yeah and how to like basically grow your career without like keeping it settled but also just doing it yourself uh-huh. without the need for like a, a if a label does want to hit me on you know we can discuss <laughs> discuss some options and whatnot course, but course. right now i'm just prepared to do it all myself yeah with, with the people that i have around me right now that's one of the beauties of this age of technology and age of information well like while there is a lot of disinformation out there like now like you can be an artist who like does it all themselves but if it fucking like 
1992. <laughs> Bro, if you didn't have a label or know somebody at the radio station or something, like it, you basically were just making music as a hobby, exactly. you know? But it's so cool now that like artists can like see. Like like the the curtain can be pulled back and you can like know all these secrets and everything now. So you would you but you would be interested though if a label if a label hit me up most you. definitely like I'm yeah. not gonna turn down any well it depends with the with the situations like but I'm always open to anything really anything that could help boost or help you know push me in the right direction to where I'm trying to do for sure one thing this is kind of the last music question then I have some like random questions for you but um I I read in like your interview with the underground underdogs from a long time ago. Um, shout you, out Audrey. You talked about shout out Audrey. Um, you talked about listening deep into like some of like the the hip hop pioneers discographies, and I feel like this is something that not nearly enough younger artists do. I'm not trying to sit here on like a pedestal or a high horse or anything. I'm not saying that if like a 15-year-old who's listening to this who's about to start rapping. I'm not saying you have to go listen to every <laughs> DJ Clue mixtape. Like, you don't have to. But yeah. it is, like, I think it's important to, like, know the history or know the foundation of why you're even able to, like, make this music. Um, so, like, wh why did you go and, like, seek that out? Like, why is that? And, and also, like, how did it help and influence you as an artist? See, the thing with me, like, listening to, you know, discographies of, like, Jay-Z and, like, everyone, like, that was happening while it was coming. Like, I was seven years old walking around with a CD player and, yeah. like, a case of CDs, and you'll have, like, Hard Knock Life Volume 2, and yes. you'll have, like, DJ Clue, the professional Volume 1 and 2. Yes. Like, yeah. all in the case, just, like... That was something that came natural to me just because okay. I was, like, infatuated with music as a child. And, like, I, I didn't know I wanted to be involved in music until, like, 14, 15. But it all started to click and make sense after yeah. the fact, looking back. The seeds were planted really early, it sounds Very like. much so. Yeah. And, like, basically just by listening to those discographies, I could kind of, like, I wanted, when I was a kid, like, Rockefeller Records was, like, oh, shit, I want to be like them when I get grow up, yeah. but not just off. Like, I didn't know how to write rhymes or write raps or anything, but yeah. I was just in my head, I'm like, that shit would be fucking dope if, yes. I, if I could be like that, you know? But um, it, it basically all happened organically. Like, it wasn't anything where I went... Well, I did seek out, like, certain artists that I wasn't hip to, like Big L, after mm -hmm. the fact, when I was in high school, like Big L, Jay Dilla... Yeah, like I started diving into their catalogs and stuff after the fact because I was just a kid when they were still making music. But Jay Z and like Cash Money Millionaires and Master P and yeah. everybody like yeah. that was there in front of me. Also, shout out to Katie at Omega Music when I was seven years old. Damn. She was the one selling me all those CDs. Oh, well, my grandma at the time, but my grandma took me to the store. And yeah, she, yeah. You know, good report card get you the CDs <laughs> and everything. But so far, <laughs> it all happened just organically for yeah. the most part well how did that influence you as an artist kind of when you start i guess more in like high school when you're going back and listening to big l and jay dilla like what did that do for you and in, in the music that you were making or that you began to make that is well in um high school when i was in the dilla phase i got an mpc 
Uh-huh. That's where I started, you know, making beats in my bedroom. And um, for Christmas, my mom's uh, boyfriend at the time got me an MPC because he's Hell also the yeah. the guy that was responsible for getting me hip to a lot of the people he got me hip to. Like, he got me hip to MF Doom, all that, like, Dilla, Donuts, the album. Yeah. Like, he's the one who bought me those, those albums and everything. So it was kind of like... Everything tying together. Got my FL studio going in my bedroom, trying to chop samples, which... If anybody that knows how to work at MPC, they can tell you, like, it's a bitch to learn, like, actually get it maneuvering. Especially when you're, like, in high school and not really, you know, aware of music at all. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh... Recently on my the the TikTok overlords, uh, I've been getting like a lot of like producer TikToks, and it's like people just like picking random records and like sampling it on like the NPC right there. And I'm just like amazed by it. I'm amazed because it's like like okay, I can hear something dope in a record from like the '70s that like a little loop that I think is cool, but like I don't like. For people to be able to hear, like, the underlying, like, little drum break or, like, a little bass line or something and be able to chop that up, I think is, like, a, an entire form of artistry that is, like, not talked about enough. N- not it's enough, crazy. man. Because I remember there used to be a lot of, like, flack against Kanye where people are like, ah, his whole album is samples and da-da-da-da-da. But, it, like, that is, that's, like, the beauty of this music is that like you get to create something out of something that we already love and appreciate. It's like almost a way to like help, you know, like reintroduce it to people. I've discovered a, an insane amount of beautiful music just from being like, what's this sample? And just like going and listening to it, you know, that is, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think sampling, like the art, the art, the artistry of sampling is like not talked about, and enough. that's like what hip hop was based off of in the beginning. Right. Was like the foundation is basically sampling other people's music and yeah. just emceeing on top of it when people are at parties. I mean, what? Sugar Hill Gang's "Rappers Delight," like the the quote unquote. I mean, it's obviously not the first hip hop record, but the first one that like kind of like blew up and went mainstream. Like that that entire beat is a sample, yeah. like that boom. Boom, boom. It's uh like Good Times by <laughs> by I think it's Chic is the band, but like that, you're right though. That's what it was all built on. And I think I think hip hop is doing this weird thing right now where like we're start like I'm seeing the cycle starting to like come back around. I think people are starting to like kind of appreciate that older like style of of beat making rather than like hopping in garage band and like yeah you know, putting all the hi-hats and the kicks on and everything <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that but i think i'm seeing like a lot of people gain an interest in doing it like in a more like hands-on way though i think it's cool um that's enough about the music i have a really important question to ask <laughs> you though um Eddie Guerrero or Rey Mysterio? Bro, you're going to have to put both my heroes <laughs> against each other. Oh, man. Eddie Guerrero, just because. Rest, rest, rest in peace. Rest in peace. I actually have have him on the back of my shirt. Do right you have Do you have an Eddie Guerrero? I do. I, I have the... This, oh. Shout out Puck for this shirt. But I actually probably should. Yeah, yeah. You might want to take those headphones off. Yeah, go for Got it. Got him on the back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he does. Yo, he really does have Eddie Guerrero on the back. Damn, I wish that was planned. That was not planned. That's fire as fuck, though. Shout out Puck and Off the Rope 
for real. Yeah, Off the Rope is fire. Shout out Off the Rope. I love all the stuff that they make. Um, do you remember the the uh, match that they played for like the custody of uh, of Dominic? It was like it was oh, like no. I think it was Eddie and Rey Mysterio, and they were playing for the custody of Dominic. <laughs> I actually don't remember, dude. There's I I have like a very vivid memory of like watching it as a kid. There I forget like the entire like the storyline and storyline, but I remember they 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 have like a ladder match for <laughs> for, for the custody of a child. WWE used to be wild, bro. It did. That like late 90s, early 2000s era of the WWE is insane. Those were like the prime time when I was a kid. The only times that I would actually watch it, like after that, like after Eddie died, like I really slowed down on on watching like SmackDown and Raw and everything. Yeah. I mean, it start. I mean, it started to decline. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't know if it's good right now. Or not. <laughs> Maybe if anybody listens or watches WWE, let us know if it's still good or not. I have no idea. Um, what is the best flavor of Yaritos? Oh man, they're, they're all <laughs> Cause, delicious. Because I have an opinion, but I'm curious what 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 you're gonna say. Uh, my favorite would have to be between uh, the grapefruit and. <sighs> Yeah, the grapefruit. Damn, I actually don't think I've had the grapefruit. That's crazy. It's is called it, toronja. Is it is it like ruby grapefruit or is it like white grapefruit? Uh, like, is it like the red or the white? It's the white. Okay. Uh, okay. It kind of tastes. Have you ever had squirt? Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, it kind of yeah. tastes like squirt. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I uh I like the pineapple flavor. Oh, pineapple is a classic Pineapple's though. Fire. Pineapple so mango. Good. You know, the only one I don't like is the clear one, which is like the mineral water. Yeah, the mineragua. That's that's Chris's fucking jam right there. <laughs> he lo- he loves the mineragua. I love that it's in like the same like branding and font as Yaritos though. Yeah. I didn't know we went to me and Chris went to Jungle Gyms uh not that long ago and like I d- honestly did not know that there were that many flavors and like until you go to the drink section and like a third of it is like Yaritos <laughs> flavors I'm like holy fucking hell I had no idea. Sell 2 liters of it too? Yeah, the 2 no liters. Idea. You when you come across those that's rare cuz you can that's- get the whole bottle very rare and they're like a dollar 99 for the two liter you might as well stock up on those (laughs) um all right i I have one more uh uh, hispanic latino related question if i were to go to one of these taco spots we talked about earlier like the handwritten menu uh you know like the the big red button is like you know it's it's like faded from people using it so much (laughs) what is like a good like non like a good like if you know you know like food item that i should get there if i if i al pastor tacos if you're if you're not a pork person no no no, i love al pastor i'm with i'm with it al pastor is definitely if you're not a pork person go with the carne asada tacos yeah yeah i guess so all all you need little little onion little cilantro little hot sauce little medium sauce you know and horchata on the side you know that's (laughs) that's all you need right there oh i love that that is that's that's that was a great answer that that, that might have been my favorite question i've ever asked on this show actually i mean I'm usually, flex real quick like with the with the mexican restaurants i always base them off the tortillas 
in the mm. or, in the horchata. Mm. Like the quality, it has to be like that's a that's a good point. You gotta base it off the tortillas because if it's not a good tortilla, it doesn't matter what you put in it. I think we're doing pretty good on our time here. Is there anything else that you want to speak on that we haven't spoken about yet? Uh, nothing that I can comes to the top of my head at the mm. moment. But I, you know, I. I well, I'll I'll close it with this. What what's next for Isai? Uh, right now, um, working on a couple of things. Uh, I'm working on a production project with some of my homies, bad, cool. bad Jeans. You should check them out. They're from Dayton, Ohio, as okay. well. Okay. Um, just working with them on stuff just for the next few months, and then I'm also just recording as I go. Hopefully, by the end of 2021, I'll have enough songs put together where I can just. You know, make that atmosphere <laughs> right and, you know, right, bring it right. all together at yeah. the end of the year like I usually do and put something out. <laughs> Fuck that. Well, I, I'm really excited. I will definitely be listening to it for sure. Um, and I want to remind everybody, as always, to follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube, the main page and the TV page, follow us on TikTok, join the Discord, go stream all of Isai's music. Um, oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't, I wanted to ask you about this, I forgot. How did you get the vinyl for El Lakote? Like, I don't see many independent artists, like, doing vinyls, because I feel like that's, like, a, a hard thing to, like, reach out and get to where did you get the vinyls made um i'm not gonna it, it took a lot of research yeah um there's one there's a couple companies that do drop shipping for strictly um media uh-huh so like cds dvds vinyl there's there's only a couple that do vinyls um i found somebody that does vinyl it's expensive as fuck if you want to like get a bunch at the same time so it's easier just to drop ship it and charge like a flat rate yeah shout out this is actually a great tip for any artist that's like coming up on their own trying to get vinyls. Um, they'd basically charge you for the cost of the vinyl, but if you set your price like mm -hmm. a little bit higher, it's still expensive, but it's the, cool to do. The thing about vinyl is like people who are into vinyl are gonna buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like the 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 supply and demand of vinyl is it's not like will you know like. Are people who like vinyl going to buy this? Like, people who have vinyl collections will, like, buy it, even if it's kind of expensive. Although, uh, my my homie Ian, like, him and all his roommates, they have, like, 400, like, vinyls or something. They always tell me, they're like, if you get a, you know, hip-hop record on vinyl, like, you can keep it here, take it back whenever you want. I was going to get Whole lot of Red, the new Cardi <laughs> album on vinyl. Those motherfuckers were charging $45. I was like, God damn it. I could not pay $45 for this vinyl because yeah. I because because they're busting my head and they know that they're busting my head that's why yeah. I felt a little insulted by it because they know that people are gonna overpay for it if it was like $30 I probably would have done it but 45 <laughs> I was like damn and I'm gonna have to pay like 12 bucks for shipping like Ooh. are they making them themselves or are they actually getting the real legit copy? I don't know I'm I assume that they probably are just gonna like send it out to like some random like vinyl pressing place and then they would send it it just yeah. i just don't i mean like maybe i'm just being a cheapskate i don't know i just felt like i maybe i would pay 45 dollars for like somebody's vinyl that like i know <laughs> but like i was like damn cardi like come on bro <laughs> like i just yeah, i just wanted a vinyl bro <laughs> it's expensive man yeah yeah they're they're <sighs> 
I respect it though. I respect <laughs> it. I think it's cool. I, I actually really think it's cool that vinyl is like coming back into like the music listening kind of atmosphere. Um, but anywho, before we got off on that tangent, like I said, <laughs> subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Go stream all of Isai's music. Um, and with that being said, I, as always, am your host, Clay Bonin. Isai Morales. And we will see you all next week. Deuces, everybody. Deuces.